So today, as part of our podcast series, which is powered by Upside Global, we have the honor to interview Dr. Ron Dick, uh, Associate Professor of Sports Marketing at Duke University in the School of Business. So Ron, as some of you know, also worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA, with the Sixers and the Nets, and then four years in the NCAA. So Ron, welcome back to the show. Glad to be back, Julian. Happy to be here with you. Great. So Ron, uh, what I want to talk to you about today was uh, talk about the impact of COVID uh, into sports after you're into it, and then the Tokyo Olympic that's coming up, and then talk about mental health issues faced by athletes, okay. uh, as well as student athletes now being compensated financially. So uh, how does it sound? That sounds great. So great. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, so we've gone through a year right into the pandemic. Uh-huh. Fans are going back into stadiums. Yes. Uh, so what have we learned so far from the pandemic and is sports back to normal? I think they're about as close to back to normal as we can expect uh, this time in July of uh, 2021. I think a lot of the lost ticket revenue has been recouped now and is yeah. getting a little stronger and stronger in, in, in each event and in, in each week and each month. Uh, if we look at the four major sports, MLB was really hurt last year with playing only 60 games and having no fans in the stands. The NHL, you saw what they just did. They cut, they cut up a league up in Canada because yeah. uh, Canada will not allow U.S. to go back and forth in baseball. Matter of fact, our Toronto Blue Jays are still playing in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And that really made the playoff situation difficult. The NBA did not do the bubble like they did in 2020. And... Uh, that seemed to work out okay for them. And the NFL, they, they lost a lot of uh, ticket revenue, but they're primarily known for their TV revenue, yeah. as is the NCAA. We're going to get into some NCAA stuff today, I know. And I just want to mention the NCAA lives off of and pays for most of its staff in Indianapolis, Indiana, f- by way of the television revenue from March Madness, the NCAA tournament, which there wasn't one in March of 2020. At least this year, they could have the tournament kind of in their own pseudo bubble in Indianapolis. And yes, they lost a lot of ticket revenue, but they got the bulk of that CBS TV money, which is what they really need to uh, survive. Yeah. And and, and in Europe, right? I mean, I'm from Europe and I've been following the European soccer championship. Uh And the final was at Wembley and it was almost like a packed stadium, which was, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about it because they've got this COVID variant out there, right? And yet it's full, it's packed. Right. Yes. So. And, and that that makes me think they've the, the vaccine is out there. Anybody that wants the vaccine, uh, you hope that everybody would want it, uh, yes. has it, yes. has it and uh, herd immunity is in place. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, well, you kind of answered the question, right? You know, have you know, have the team been able to recover from the pandemic for the most part? I think you went over that already. Yes. So um, I think the answer is yes. Yeah. So my next question is, you know, we're just a few days away, really, into the Tokyo Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, but it will be without the fans, right? And yes. some people are very disappointed about it. Right. Uh, and I suspect that they are gonna, they're maybe going to lose some money because of the absence of fans. So what's the point, you know, even to have the Olympics at this point? Yeah, uh, I've had the opportunity to travel all seven continents, even Antarctica. And yeah. uh, uh through Duquesne and, and on my own uh, personal dime. And uh, we, we spent time in Tokyo. And one, uh, one of my takeaways was here in the United States, what is the American dream? Well, that that's a lot of, means a lot of different things to different people. But one of the criteria, I want to own my own house. Mm-hmm. And in, in Tokyo, 
or Japan in general, the whole island is the size of Idaho. So imagine a group of people with that many millions of people in something the size of Idaho. Like this whole six foot distancing is almost impossible to do. Uh, and that dream of owning a house is not is not really something that a lot of people have in, in Japan. Uh, not oh, not creating a lot of things, but they absolutely perfect things. Uh, you make a TV, they perfect it. You make yeah. a car, they perfect it. Uh, but the problem is the distancing is just so many people in every square inch. In the high density, the high density of population. It's it's it's, it's on. It's got to be one of the highest in the world, and for them. Mm-hmm to have their gross national product, their GNP to be in the top five in the world is just astonishing. So I think that's really where they're they're running into problems Mm -hmm. is is the density of the population. Uh, I think it's it's great they put it off a year. There's no way they could have done it in August of 2020. I think they just got to kind of bite the bullet on losing that ticket revenue and keep all the athletes healthy and and the fans and and the people healthy. Try to get herd immunity. Try to have more vaccines and just 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 take the television revenue and and be done with it. And, and that's why I think also the technology part is going to be a big part of it, right? Because uh, I've seen I know companies some companies will be working with the Olympics, Tokyo Olympics, to provide AR VR experiences, yes, and or TV experiences. So that's where you know that's the beauty of technology, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. To, you know, yeah, yeah, that's right. Use the technology. Use use the television, get get all that revenue, and then and just try to to uh, to make it work. But you know, safety first. I mean, yeah. to me, and this whole thing about hosting the Olympics and how it's a financial bonanza—that's absolutely a falsehood. You look in 1976 in Montreal, that almost crippled that that city by taking on this the Summer Olympics when at the time Bruce Jenner was on the Wheaties box and was the decathlon winner. And those of us that are over 50 remember that. Yeah. Uh, and that left that city bankrupt. Really? And, 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 and why isn't aware of that? Oh, absolutely. And now the same things happened to Brazil. I mean, all the poverty that was around uh, in Brazil is still there. Well, I remember and, after the Olympics, seeing stadiums totally destroyed. Yeah, right? and they, these are well, they're just they're just white elephants that just sit there, and yeah. no one no one knows what to do with them. You still got to heat them and clean them and. And take and do the maintenance on them, but yet they always say they're going to have so many super events afterwards, but it never comes to fruition. So, mm-hmm. hosting the Olympics may financially hurt Tokyo a little bit, uh, but they have other events they plan on doing. So let's hope that that happens. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So the other topic I think was interesting this month is well, even last year, right? So because of COVID, mm-hmm. many athletes have suffered from mental health issues, yeah. right? So recently. Mm-hmm. Naomi Osaka, a star tennis player, pulled out of the Wimbledon, right? Yes. Due to mental health issues. And there was some backlash from the media and some of the people, but there were people supporting her, right? So what's your take on that? And are athletes getting the support that they need to overcome mental issues? And is there too much pressure on the athletes these days? I I think mental illness is one of those social events or social topics that has absolutely come a long ways in a short amount of time. I mean, for those of us, again, over 50 years old, we remember the embarrassment of someone, people would just live in denial that even though they were obviously had a mental issue problem, they would just uh, sweep it under the carpet. It was too embarrassing to talk about. 
And now I think we've shed light on it. So many, uh, Kevin Love came out with the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers to talk about it. And I think that's so healthy that that people that we look, especially young people look up to, say, yes, I do have a problem. Yes, I want to talk about it. And Michael Phelps, right? Michael Phelps. Most recently, Michael Phelps. I I think that that, that's that's a wonderful thing. I, I don't know why we had that problem back in the 70s and the 80s when it was perceived to be a, an embarrassment. Uh, if I have a heart issue, I'm going to take medicine for it. If, yes. I have, if I have a chemical imbalance in my brain, I should take a medicine for it. I mean, that's just common sense. Yes. So I, I think that that's one positive thing that's worth mentioning. The other thing is, and I deal with millennials and Gen Zs all the time, and mm-hmm. I'll ask them, why are you so sad? You know, why do I get this sense in this room Monday, Wednesday, Friday from nine to nine fifty that yeah. you're not happy? And it bothers me that you're not happy. And I don't understand. You got your whole life ahead of you. You've come from pretty well to do families. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have so many things to live for, but yet you're depressed. And social media is something that they'll oh, yeah. say. there's a term called fear of missing out uh, FOMO. I'm sure you've heard of that or some of your listeners. may yes, have heard yes, of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very real. They, they feel like they're, they're not included in something. Or if they see a picture on TikTok or, or for the older generation, Facebook, they're like, well, wow, what a great life. My life isn't very good. Look at this. I should be there instead of where I am right now. And I'm like, I don't understand why you get caught up in all that. Well, and then there's there's I... another one called fear of better options. They're okay. so paralyzed with the decision-making process. Like, what am I going to do this weekend? Where's the mm-hmm. in crowd? Who should I date? Who should I not date? Who, I mean, they even believe if Julian, you and I said, Hey, we're going to go to the next weekend to the Phillies Pirates game on Saturday, yeah, on July 31st. And I'm going to go get you a ticket and we'll go and, you know, we'll settle up later. And you're like, Okay, that's great. They, I, they expect you to cancel on me if somebody, for lack of a better word, cooler or or something more Mm -hmm. fun comes up. They're going to, you're going to dump my event that you agreed to go to and go off with that because they would do the same thing. That really makes me worry if they really know what friendship is. Yeah, and I think your comments on social media are having a big impact on, I mean, you heard some stories about teenagers just maybe, you know, kidding themselves because of Facebook or being bullied, right? But, Awful. A 15, uh, and 16 years old. And, and the final thing I just want to say about that is my wife posts all these pictures, you know, on yeah. Facebook, and I asked her not to do it too much. Yeah. Know, about all the places we've been, blah, 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 blah. And, and then it looks like a great life. But and and it is we we do mm-hmm. have a nice life, but but at the same time, and not too many pictures about our daughter because a our daughter didn't give us permission to use those pictures, mm-hmm. and number two, I, I don't want to bore people with all of this, but we did never put anything, and you know it's not it's not something I'm ashamed of or hiding. We yeah. never put anything about my colon cancer on Facebook. Oh, I see. So, so to my young, to, you know, and it looks like I'm going to survive this for now and everything's okay, but mm-hmm. we never did that. So what I tell the students is you're taking everything too literal. Like you, you think that person has a perfect life. Trust me, they don't. Yeah, no, you're right. They're, they're, they're showing you their life at skin level. You know, it's funny. And, you said and, that and you're taking yeah. it and you're taking it to heart and taking it to the bone level and you're wrong. That's what I tell them. Well, that's exactly what my wife tells me all the time. <laughs> she says, stop putting stuff on social media because I guarantee you, you know, other people's life is not as, as beautiful as it looks. And so, but the one thing I would say, I, I was reading a, an interview 
from the, the former head of product for Facebook, who in the very early days, the guy who designed, you know, Facebook, right? And social right. media. Yes. And it was, but his main comment was that the way that Facebook designed the user interface and the experience with, you know, with the like button, right? Every time someone likes your, your, your post. Yes. His comment was that they knew what they created, a monster, meaning that, um, you know, it was very addictive. And they yes. knew that. And, yes. and yet they did it anyway. Yes. So yeah, and then, then people get depressed if they only get 100 likes as, as opposed yeah, to yeah. 200 likes. And I, I, I honestly just can't relate to that. The import, the, like, that's really not that important. But, but boy, it's so important to young people. And yeah. to really study this closer, and I make no more money or less money if you go to these websites, but mm -hmm. uh, Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, there is a wonderful uh, streaming documentary called Social Dilemma. Okay. Social Dilemma, which I believe is on Netflix, yeah. uh, will really breaks this whole thing down for you and what a vicious trap social media is, especially for younger people that cannot put it in perspective. Yeah, and I think I watched it. That, that sounds familiar. It's a That's wonderful a good... documentary. It, it, it really explains everything and how, like you just mentioned, how it was designed. And then as far as the history of, of social media and Facebook and, and uh, uh, one's called uh, Social Network. Oh yeah, no, I've seen that one. Yeah, that that, that one kind of gives you the history of it coming out of Harvard and and how that all yeah. works. I yep. highly recommend, especially the first one, Social Dilemma. That's a good one. Thanks for recommending that. So uh, look, we've got ten minutes left, so I'll, I'll try to be quick. But uh, so, and I know this this next topic is is dear to your heart. Um, mm -hmm. So in America, right, what's new is that student athletes can now get compensated, which yes. is an historical moment, right? Because they've been talking about this for a while. Yeah. So. What's your take on this and how important is it for college sports? It, I think it's really important. I think it's long overdue. I think I'm in the major majority that have that opinion, but certainly not 100%. I'd yeah. say about a 75 or 70 to 30 split. There are still about 25 to 30% people out there that think it, it's a bad idea. Most of them are athletic directors or presidents or provosts of schools that are not in the Power Five conferences. And the Power Five conferences, for our listeners, you know, just to be clear, the SEC, the, the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big Ten. There are certain social media streaming out there that's very important that are that you can get that will explain this thoroughly. And they yeah. are. It's called the business of amateurism. Is a wonderful yeah. documentary out there streaming. Schooled. Mm -hmm. The price, oh, I saw of, that one too. Yeah, the price of college athletics, my dear friend, Richard Southall, Dr. Southall is in that. That deals a lot with the lawsuit of Ed O'Bannon, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Uh, uh, Home Deep, um, HBO has the scheme mm -hmm. and it's got some of the corrupt phone calls with uh, coaches and uh, the going rate for a Zion Williamson type of guy was about $125,000. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just to see it behind the scenes, how the academic side works with the athletic side, there's three seasons. I thought the best season was the first one called Last Chance You. These are kids that wash out. I saw that one. Yeah, I saw that one. Really That's well. a wonderful one that just shows you academically how mm -hmm. that can get. And they yeah. have one last chance. They'll have legal problems. They'll have uh, academic problems. And then they get this one chance to go to a community college and play football. Uh, so. Nil is there's a difference between nil and uh, paying student athletes from the university side. You you just saw that the Alabama coach, the Al Alabama 
quarterback. Yeah. Just got paid a little around a million dollars for his endorsement endorsements as the proposed starting quarterback for the, the Crimson Tide. He mm-hmm. has not played. He's not started the game yet. Is, is he proven? Is he, I mean, yeah, well, that's the question. Is he, is he really proven? Well, some, some companies are prepared to take to take the job. Now, yeah. yeah. Now, th- this this paying the players thing is not something new. You can go back almost 10 years ago and Steve Spurrier, when he was the head coach of uh, University of South Carolina, he said, I would like to propose that you take the money out of my salary and I would like to pay each player, 70 players, uh, $300. Mm-hmm. I would like to do it for the 10 games in the SEC. Well, then Nick Saban, Nick, Nick, Nick Saban immediately said, I'll do it. I'll, I mean, obviously, everybody, all of us will do it. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, all that is is $210,000. It's not much. That's a drop in the bucket for yeah. for a coach that makes $6 million a year. Well, why do you explain, yeah. explain that some of those coaches, college coaches, make so much money? Sure. And, and the way and the way he designed it was 300 times 70 is, uh, is 21,000 times 10 games. It would be a uh, two hundred ten thousand, and of course the NCA you can't do that. You're not allowed to mm-hmm. do that. So that went by the boards. Coach K is getting ready to retire, and I think he's getting out right on time as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils men basketball team. Thirty years ago, thirty yeah. years ago, a media person said, "Hey, I heard you make uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars for the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils, which are both in Nike. You get that directly." You get paid by Nike so that the players here in 1991 are getting uh, are wearing Nike. He goes, yeah. He says, don't you think that Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, and Grant Hill shake a piece of that? And Coach K, to his credit, said their mechanisms are not in place to pay those players. But I hear what you're saying. But well, you didn't do anything about well, it. Well, guess what? The mechanisms 30 years later are now in place. Okay, that's so good. Williamson, he, do you remember when he blew out it blew out his shoe, his Nike shoe, and he thought, well, it's a cheaply made shoe. I don't I don't like it. Yeah. A- and what if he had said, Hey, listen, I, I want to wear Adidas. Coach, <laughs> coach, I want to wear Adidas. And he's like, Well, wait, I have a deal with Nike. Well, <laughs> well, I, yeah. I don't care. Your deal is your deal, but my deal is I want to wear Adidas. I just think it's a stronger shoe. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we've got quite a dilemma on our hands, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, so then the other nil thing I was really happy to hear about, there was twin uh, young ladies from Fresno State that are on the basketball team. They also got a, a deal, an endorsement deal, with because uh, th- they had 3 million followers on TikTok. That's great. Yeah, so that's the of technology. Yeah. So that was wonderful in two, two fronts. Number one, it was the females finally getting paid too, not just the males. And yeah. they, they, they were not in the Power Five conference. Good point. Uh, well, look, last question. I know that's well. So obviously, the, the the Bucks, you know, made history by winning the NBA title. Was it how many years? Uh, they won it nineteen seventy one with Oscar Robertson, uh, Lou Alcindor, who is now Kareem Abdul Jabbar, and a few other uh, very good players. So, so yes. yeah, it was fifty yes. years ago. And I saw a comment from the Greek freak, mm-hmm. you know, saying we did not have a super team, but we did it anyway. Yeah. Right, yeah. which is yeah. nice. Yes, he raised a lot of eyebrows when he said that, and then he went back to when he was drafted, and he was not, uh, you know, he put on like what forty pounds of muscle, and he actually yeah. got tall. He actually got taller, uh, and he said, if "I'm going to win a championship. I'm going to win it here," you know, and that's very similar to what Michael Jordan said. 
you know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, that, that's really kind of a slap at, I think, LeBron, <laughs> right? Right. But then again, LeBron did go well, on. Maybe the Warriors play. too, the Warriors and, and uh, the Nets. Right? Well, the, War- the Warriors won it without uh, Durant. I think that's, you know, and they won it yeah, with yeah, right. They won it yeah. with Durant. So I don't, I think that's a slap at Durant, but I don't think it's a slap at uh, Stephon Curry. So yeah, it, it was a very interesting thing. It sounds a lot better when you're the champion saying that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, to his credit, he did it. And they, and, and to the credit of the organization, they made the right trades. They drafted the right players and they, they built around them with Middleton and, uh, holiday so they, they they got the pieces they needed to get over the top and come out of the east and then then they beat the uh, the sun so congratulations and of course of course Irvin magic johnson is already uh talking and he's saying hey chris paul opt out of your 40 million dollar year for the one year next year mm-hmm. and, come, and come play for the lakers and play with your I, best i don't think you should I, I i don't I mean, is why can't I do that a year from now? And can I get the forty million now? I mean, I I would think you would take the one year for forty million because he's never going to see that money again. The guy's thirty six years old. Yeah, that's good. But do you think that the Bucks can repeat next year? I think they got a good chance to come out of the East. Uh, I think it depends on who comes out of the West. Yeah, uh, but I think they got a chance absolutely because this will give them confidence that they never had before. So so yeah, I think they got a chance. And I, and I did, I, well, before the Bucks won, I saw some reports. You never know about those reports about the, the Warriors trying to recruit uh, the Greek freak, right? But now he's got no reason to go anywhere, right? Yeah, I think he's under contract for a few years. He signed one of those Supermax deals, didn't he? I believe so. I think you're right, yes. Yeah, I, I think he's he truly is committed. I mean, and he's playing with his brothers, you know? So, see, that was another smart move. Like, if you know that he's all that in a bag of chips, you know, make him as happy as you can here. Yeah. And the whole big market, small market thing in football and in the NBA, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, because, no, you're right. Because, A, NBA is such a global sport. It's not just in the United States now. So, what, we got 450 guys that play on rosters right now. Do you know almost 100 of them were foreigners born outside the United States? I am not surprised. I'm not from here. So, for me, it's not. So, so almost 25%, you know, between 20 and 25% are not U.S. born. And some of them are the greatest players of their their time, of their their country. So, Mm -hmm. that'll give, you know, they sold a lot of Dirk Nowinski jerseys over in Germany. They signed, as you would know, you saw a lot of of Tony Parkers in Paris, France, running around. And the NBA with Jerry West and the silhouette, the the NBA logo, the NBA gets their piece on that. So it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's as global as soccer, but I'd say it's the the most second global sport in the the world. Totally agree. Uh, Look, it it was a great conversation. As always, I really enjoyed talking to you. You too. Uh, We're at the end of the the podcast interview, so... I'd like to uh, thank you for, for your time. And My pleasure. Sure we'll be talking soon. All right. That sounds great, Julian. I appreciate your time and good luck to all the listeners. That's great. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.